this is your first time here with us. We've been studying through 1 Peter starting in January, kind of finished that up coming into summer, and now we've jumped into 2 Peter. Uh, there's reading plans available online or through the app. There's printed versions right outside these doors. Second uh, Peter's only three chapters. If you're behind, it would be really easy to just read one chapter and catch up with us. I'd encourage you to do that. As we've been going through it, I just also want to remind you there's great advantages to just studying with us. And so this week, especially in your notes, if you get those online or again through the app, there's just an additional reference section that kind of walks through all these big truths. And uh, we could have supplied a lot of verses for this, but we tried to pick two or three for each one. The thing I would challenge you to do is don't just read those. Go back later this week, study those, get the context in which they're happening. It's going to help you a lot as we get our mind around false teaching. And so that's where we're at. Second uh, Peter chapter 1 has ended Peter, again, writing, got to a point to where he really just paused to emphasize the authority of Scripture. We have obtained this faith, and we can stand firm in this faith. Why? Because the Bible says so. That we have a revelation fully confirmed in the Scriptures. This reference back to the Bible is really powerful because it tells us that these words came by the Spirit of God, not the will of man. They are inspired by Him. So when you hear us talk about the inspiration of Scripture, that's what we mean. Yes, a man took pen and scribed these things down, but the words are from God. And so those prophets, who penned these words, they spoke from God, verse 21. But as chapter 2, verse 1 begins, we get a little bit of a contrast. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed, and in their greed they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Big truth this morning, take care, be alert, be on guard. There will be false teachers among you. Peter's going to talk about this for the rest of his letter. In the end of chapter 3, in summary, he's going to come back and he's going to say the ignorant, the unstable, these false teachers, they twist the scriptures to their own destruction. And in verse 17, say, you therefore... Beloved, knowing this beforehand, knowing that this happens, take care that you are not carried away with the air of lawless people and lose your own stability. Be careful. Be alert. 
Be on guard. False teachers can carry you away. They can dislodge your footing. And listen, this is not a new revelation. To the audience who Peter is writing to, there is nothing new in this point. This truth is incredibly revealed to them, those who have grown up, those who have heard stories, those who have read the Old Testament, in this Jewish culture that looks back to Israel and the prophets of old. This isn't anything new. Yes, there, there were faithful prophets who spoke from God, who through their prophetic word, enlightened and revealed the will of God. Therefore, it's truth. It's the light that gives way to faith. It's the light that brings eternal stability to our hope. But their revelation was always under attack. They've read about it. They know it. It has been that way. Throughout all of the prophets in the Old Testament, not everyone who claimed to be a prophet was in fact a true prophet. And not everyone who claimed to speak the will of God speaks the will of God. And so there's this problem, there's this threat. Just as there were faithful prophets back in the Old Testament, and there were false prophets back in the Old Testament, Peter's going to make this really simple point. To you and I today, there are going to be faithful teachers of the Word of God who rightly proclaim His will, and there are going to be false teachers who twist it and use it for their own gain. They'll twist the truth of God's revelation, and instead of proclaiming life, instead of proclaiming enlightening faith instead of proclaiming God's will bringing eternal stability no they will provide a cheap counterfeit that does nothing but bring destruction just as it was true then there will be false teachers among you Peter says and so you're getting this transition, that this faith that you have obtained, you can stand on it. But be aware and be on guard. There are those that are going to come that are going to try to chop it down. They're going to try to sell you on something that is a cheap counterfeit. And so one of the things that you pick up on really quick in this section is that this switch from prophet to teacher, it's a switch in terms You'll notice that Peter's talking about false prophets and then he switches over to false teachers and it's a really good study. There's some kind of speculation behind all that goes into that. You can go back and study it. I would encourage you to, but listen, functionally, don't lose the main point. Don't overthink it. The same way there were false prophets in the Old Testament, there are false teachers among you in the church today see 
the change of terms actually helps us catch the primary point of context. Now, this is important. So I, I know it seems like it may be a, a little bit of a, a dry start. There's not a lot of illustration to this. But over the next five minutes, I think this might be one of those convicting, just unpackings of Scripture that can really help us. So do all that you can to lean in and catch this. The change of terms here actually helps us because what it does is it focuses us in on the main point. See, Peter references these titles, false prophet, false teacher, but he switches them with, with like just quickly. Why? Because the practice and the effect are the same. The practice and the effect are the same. See, in these verses, Peter uses titles, false prophet, false teacher, to convey the concept. His point, their activity, their practice, the thing they do, their proximity, their closeness to you and I, and the danger they bring are the same. Titles may switch. But their practice, their proximity, and the danger are all the same. You say, why are you chasing this? Because we're tempted to avoid this obvious context in order to excuse ourselves from this main point. I'm going to try to explain it for you. Watch. False teachers are false teachers because they falsely proclaim the will of God. Catch that? False teachers, false teachers, because they falsely proclaim the will of God. But who doesn't teach in error at some point? Who doesn't teach some falsehood? I mean, I'm just going to tell you, I've been in ministry like 25 years. I have taught error. Didn't mean to, didn't want to, but it's happened. And I've had to repent and turn and grow. And here's the truth. I'll probably do it again. So I have taught falsely. You think if you go to our seminaries, our churches, and you get those people who are teaching in their first or second year, you you don't think some of them are teaching falsely? So, here's a question then. Am I a false teacher? What's the difference between someone who would teach error and a false teacher? And we want to get caught up in that. Am I a false teacher based on the error percentage in what I say? Is there some like secret percentage there? Maybe is it just certain big things? If it's big enough, then I become a false teacher. Maybe it's the measure of influence I have and how many people are actually listening to me. What makes me go from someone who has taught falsely or teaches error to being a false teacher? See, we're we're tempted to focus on the difference between teaching falsely and this title of a false teacher. After all, when we think of teaching falsely, we kind of think like, oops, my bad, I messed up. 
when we think of a false teacher, we think of like a spiritual Darth Vader walking around. I, I would love to be able to do that voice. Like, I can't. Uh, if Paul were preaching, I'm sure he would. I, I can't do it. But we like to think of this like just incredible figure, right? This Christian Darth Vader. I like that. That's funny to me. No, nobody else? Just Okay, just me. Now listen, we can distinguish false teachers from false teaching. We, we see this a little bit in the New Testament. But the New Testament does this descriptively. You're never going to find this prescriptive aim or the New Testament making a major point of clarification between these two. Why? Listen. Because the activity, the proximity, and the danger of both are the same. The false teacher and one who is teaching falsely listen the practice is they are falsely proclaiming the will of God the proximity they are among you and they have your ear and the danger is they threaten your stability whether in ignorance or in malicious intent the activity, the proximity, and the danger are all the same. So let's not do something that the New Testament doesn't and soften our response to false teaching around us because we passively conclude, yeah, but they're not a false teacher. See, that's our temptation. Instead, we should question and we should confront false teaching. We should do so purpose to teach and to edify and build up, whether they are a false teacher or not. See, it's this very action of exposing and teaching that the New Testament models. You see it in Acts 15 and Acts 18 and Ephesians 5 and 1 Timothy 1 and Titus 1. I could just keep going. It's throughout. There is false teaching and there is confrontation and teaching for the purpose of building up. That's the response. They don't immediately get around and measure and go, you think they're a false teacher and bad enough? I don't know. I didn't see the Darth Vader mask. I don't know. What should we do? Should we say something? No. When there is false teaching, they confront that teaching with truth. They bring it back to the authority of Scripture, and it is that confrontation and directing back to the Scripture that is the very action that leads you and I to identify false teachers and serve those who ignorantly are just teaching falsely. See, faithful teachers are pursuing repentance according to the authority of Scripture. It may not happen in one conversation, it may not happen overnight, but faithful teachers will continue to turn back to the authority that is the revelation of God. Why? Because they aim to teach through the authority of the Spirit of God that Peter has confirmed for us is more fully confirmed in the Scriptures. That's their aim. 
And so they repent, they turn, they grow, they lean in. Why? Because that's what they want. They're not there serving themselves. They're not serving their pride. They're trying to faithfully teach what has been revealed. Meanwhile, the false teachers, when confronted and challenged with the authority of Scripture, they just keep twisting and twisting. But the more Scripture they are confronted with and questioned with, and the more Scripture they are taught and have to respond to, the more clear it becomes that they are twisting the Scriptures. Because false teachers falsely proclaim the will of God, twisting away from the Spirit of God as the source which Peter makes clear is confirmed in the Scriptures. So, before we jump in and chase our big ideas and just walk through these three verses, just really practical, want to kind of give you just a, a look, um, a sense of markers of what false teachers do when they twist instead of repent. In other words, three markers of false teachers twisting that counters repentance. What are you looking for? What does it look like? First, there's ambiguous interpretation. There's ambiguous beliefs. Because most often, false teachers are indirect, not direct. Satan didn't lead to tempt Jesus in the wilderness with, hey, reject the Father. You know what he led with? Hey, I bet you're hungry. Why don't you turn those rocks into some bread and eat? Not every false teacher comes up and says, hey, let me introduce myself. I'm a false teacher, and my aim is to bring destruction into your life. They don't even clearly state their views. Instead, they use poetic language and eloquence and, and just ambiguous interpretation of core doctrines. Why? Because absolutes, because direct doctrines can be more easily measured against the teaching of Scripture. False teachers cannot proclaim a consistent interpretation of Scripture, so they try to make everything vague. I, I, saw, this, like, I saw this this week. This, um, there's a false teacher. He, is, he rejects the inerrancy of Scripture. Uh, he rejects inspiration, and as a result, he rejects who Scripture defines Jesus to be. And so in the statement that this guy's making about the Bible, which is essentially a belief statement, it's like a few paragraphs, you read through it, and you know what it says? Nothing. It doesn't say anything. I mean, it's really nice. It's poetic. You couldn't really disagree with any of it. It's just a bunch of jargon. And you know what I read, knowing what this person believes, knowing what they teach, I read and I thought, why don't you just say we reject the inerrancy of Scripture. Why don't you just reject scriptural authority and inspiration? Why don't you just own the fact that you reject core doctrines that have been held by the church since the apostles? You know why they don't? <laughs> because they're a false teacher. And they don't want it to be that clear. And they want to be able to circle around it. By the way, that person isn't on the other side of the country. That group isn't there. They're here. They're among you. 
It's all around you. It's constant. Second thing, you'll notice isolating efforts. Isolating efforts. They seek to isolate. They seek to single out the weak. See, they generally avoid tested, mature leaders. It's like the hyena hunt on the National Geographic. You guys ever check that out? I, I love those things. Amy's always like, no. I'm like, go get them. I don't know why. I just think it's so cool. But all the hyenas go out on their hunt, right? Listen, they always target the cutest, like, baby calf in the herd, right? And then you've got some, like, poetic voice, like, over, like, oh, it's crazy. You know what they don't ever do? They don't ever go after the tested and the scarred mature bull. No, they try to single out the weak, the immature. I think in the years of ministry as false teachers raise up and they eventually leave the church because if you have faithful leadership in a faithful church, that's what will happen. They will repent or they will leave. One of the common threads of those false teachers that leave again and again in the church is they do not seek out leadership. I mean, if you ever see one of those guys, this is a good thing to do in general, just generalism, ask, how many times have you pursued the elders of our church? What's that look like? And don't let them just give you some vague answer. I mean, really ask them. Hold them accountable. Because if they really wanted to grow, if they really wanted to be able to sit down and work through those things, that would be the people they would go after. Not our kids, not our high schoolers, not our college students, not the new believer who's never read the Bible in his life. No, they would want to come talk to leaders. But that's not what they're trying to do, is it? That type of culture, they isolate and you can see it happen around you. Not only that, they'll ignore the pursuits. I can't tell you how many times as elders of Tri-Cities Baptist Church, we pursue people. We pursue them who are teaching falsely. And how hard it is to just get audience with them. They, they just ignore us and run. Isolating efforts. Third, they'll attack biblically faithful teachers. Biblically faithful teachers, expositors of the word, they'll attack them, ridicule them, try to undercut them. Why? Because they are teaching the authority that opposes them, that shines light on their false teaching. So take care. There will be false teachers among you. Let's walk through these three verses, look at a few implications, a few big ideas. First, take care false teachers rise up among you. Peter says, just as false prophets also arose among the people, there will be false teachers among you. It, it literally means they spring up from within. Now the Bible teaches that there are false teachers and there were false prophets who brought in heresies from outside the church. Uh, Jude 4 is an example of that. But here, Peter is saying, no, they spring up from among you. 
They are not outsiders, they are insiders. What's that mean for you and me? Now listen, we know them. We know them. We have emotional connection with them. They are our co-workers. They are our friends. They're in our family. They're in our church. They're in your life group. You know them. And see, this introduces the tension. Will you trust Scripture or will you lean into your personal connection? See, the Bible is going to say this is false teaching and false teaching is destructive. It's destructive. It can carry you away. It can carry your kids away. It can carry your spouse away. It can carry your friends away. It is dangerous. But you're tempted to say, it's not that big of a deal. I know them. They are my fill in the blank. They're just trying to be encouraging. They're just being kind. They're just fill in the blank. I mean, they love Jesus. Let me, let me give you an example. I think this is a great example. I used this a few weeks ago. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus tells his disciples that he will die. Peter, who we're studying, recognizing that's Jesus, goes, no, Jesus, not you. You're Jesus. Never. He rebuked Jesus. He corrected him to say, you won't die. Jesus responded in chapter 8, verse 33, turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Now listen, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. You are not proclaiming the will of God, Peter. You are falsely proclaiming the will of man. It's a great example of false teaching being exposed, in this case, by the living word, by Jesus. You know Peter repents. Peter's not a false teacher, but he taught falsely in that moment. He is confronted with the truth, the revelation of God, and he repents, he changes, he turns, he continues to grow. Why? Because Peter, in fact, loves Jesus. Real Jesus. The one who's made known in Scripture. Listen, false teaching is among you. You know them. You have connection with them. They are dangerous. Second, take care. False teachers secretly bring destruction. Because they are insiders, they're able to, as Peter says, secretly bring destruction. 
their family, their friends. We know them. We have this personal connection. And so they are able to camouflage their access into our thinking. This is why Jesus says in Matthew 7, 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. See, they leverage their personal connection and they proclaim a twisted version of God's will that is often easier, immediately rewarding, personally affirming, but it's counterfeit. It doesn't hold. It has no value. The twisting of these partial truths and personal desire brings quick comfort, but in the end, it only brings destruction. And not only do they peddle what is counterfeit, they attack the faithful. They attack those who would proclaim a harder, a real truth. And so not only are they filling the mind of their followers with false revelation with a false understanding of the will of God. They are driving a wedge between them and those who would faithfully proclaim the word of God. And so they are secretly, subtly, day over day, week over week, month over month, distorting the will of God, bringing destruction into your life, into my life. And it begs the question then, why would anyone want such a counterfeit? Why would anyone want destruction? Well, the answer is a pretty simple one, and you're going to relate, and I relate, and it's simply this. We don't believe false teaching is that destructive. We don't believe it's that dangerous. We think of false teaching like candy. I mean, we know if we ate enough of it, it's kind of bad for us. But a little bit, you know, it's not going to kill you. When in fact, Scripture says, take care, that's not candy, that's poison. And so our tolerance for false teaching in our lives is great because we don't believe it's that dangerous. Because we don't know the scriptures well enough to anchor our doctrine in it as opposed to our experience. And so we weight the personal connection we have with the false teachers over the danger that scripture proclaims. Please, church, notice the danger. Peter is writing this whole letter to this end. This letter is to address false teaching. The whole letter in your New Testament to this end. To say this is dangerous. Do not lose hope. Do not let your faith become unstable. Do not be carried away in error. 
Take care. Be alert. Moms, dads, there are few things as dangerous as false teaching. Does your parenting, do the pursuits of your parenting reflect that? Husbands, wives, there are few things as dangerous to your marriage as false teaching. Do your pursuits reflect that? Church, listen, there are few things as dangerous to us as false teaching. Do our discipleship pursuits reflect that? If I could get you to walk away and just anchor into two things this morning, they would be this. False teachers are among you much more than you think. And two, they are dangerous. Next, take care. False teachers easily influence many. Verse 2, and many will follow their sensuality. Not only do we deem false teachers to be destructive because the word of God teaches us so, we must also acknowledge that their influence is great. See, we in our flesh instinctively gravitate to their message. We want to buy the thing they're selling in our flesh. See, their message deceptively makes the will of God about my will. And that is a tempting thing in our sin and our pride. Let me give you an example of that in the Old Testament. Jeremiah, faithful prophet, is commissioned by God to proclaim the destruction of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is where the temple is, guys. It's the center, not just of their culture and of them as a people. It's the center of their place of worship, their connection with Yahweh, their God. And Jeremiah says in 8.11, the Lord speaking, and he's speaking to the false prophets, and he says, those who heal the wounds of my people lightly. That's how he describes the false prophet. Those who heal the wounds of my people lightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Notice, there is shallow healing. They have cancer and their life is on the line and they walk up to somebody and it's like, here, put this Band-Aid on. You're going to be great. Man, that sounds appealing, right? The false prophets, they proclaimed what Israel wanted to hear. Meanwhile, Jeremiah proclaimed this. Chapter 9, he says, I will make Jerusalem a heap of ruins, a layer of jackals. I will make the cities of Judah a desolation without inhabitant. Jeremiah asks, Lord, why, why is this going to happen? Verse 13, and the Lord says, because they have forsaken my law that I set before them. 
and have not obeyed my voice or walked in accord with it, but have stubbornly followed their own hearts. Behold, I will feed this people with bitter food and give them poisonous water to drink. I will scatter them among the nations and I will send the sword after them until I have consumed them. Which message would you want to hear? Peace, it's going to be okay for that. Which message would you want to hear? Salvation coming from the righteous wrath of God. Or salvation in, you're fine. God wouldn't do anything to make you sad. He loves you. Jerusalem will stand forever. Peter saying to Jesus, not you, Jesus. You won't die. Do you hear the twisting? False teachers are not just shadowy, figured people far away. Listen, they're not all walk around with Darth Vader masks. They're in your circles. They're among you. And you are susceptible, like many. Why? Because they tell you what you want to hear. Paul says to Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. A few more quickly. Take care, false teachers slander the gospel. Because of them, the way of truth is blasphemed. The false teachers' methods are shallow and broken and sinful. They're deceptive. They're self-serving. And in time, they will be on display. And as a result, their methods will define the gospel to many. To many. Titus 1, Paul writes and says, they are upsetting whole families. And church, listen, our silence affirms it. This perversion of the gospel, this false proclamation of the will of God, when we sit there in silence, we affirm it. This is why Paul writes to Titus and he says, they must be silenced. Rebuke them sharply. If they are faithful, they will turn to the authority of Scripture. And if they were not, you, the church, will have a proclaiming voice that says, that isn't true. That is not the will of God. Take care. False teachers take advantage of you. Verse 3, and in their greed they will exploit you with false words. This word that's translated exploit, it basically means to like, it, it, it means to make you property. But what it's getting at is it's charging you way more for something than it's worth. They're taking advantage of you. They have a fake product, a counterfeit, 
and they are charging you as if it is real. And you and I and the world is susceptible. Why? Because we desperately want it to be real. And because them and their smooth talk and all of the things that go in their greed to sell you their counterfeit thing, all of it is in play. It's dangerous. It's not obvious. They're taking advantage of you. They know you really want, again, fill in that blank, and so they present it that way. They know you don't know the scriptures that well, and so they count on it, and they know you're isolated from counsel. You're afraid to ask faithful believers who have been in the Word, who can help you discern truth. And so they're selling you a fake worth nothing, and they're charging you everything. As the team comes up, the final point, take care. False teachers will be exposed and judged. Peter says their condemnation from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. These false teachers have been saying to Peter's audience, which have faced persecution and will continue to face persecution, listen, this whole thing that you're giving your life for, all the sacrifice, all the investment, you're waiting for something that's never going to come. You're giving your life to something that doesn't have value. That even goes so far to deny Jesus himself. There's not going to be a judgment. It's not that big of a deal. Live the way you want to live. Follow your heart. All that other stuff, that's not really the way it works. You're not really held accountable to the holiness and righteousness of God. He's not returning. And Peter is saying to his readers, not only is Jesus going to return, not only is the scripture true, judgment is coming. They will stand before an almighty God and give account. Their judgment is not asleep. It is not idle. It is active. It is present. It is coming. So what do you do with all this as the church? A few points of application, just some really simple things. First, trust Scripture. Believe the danger of false teaching. Believe it. Know that it's dangerous. Realize that it is destructive to you and your way of thinking. If the Bible talks about the wisdom, knowing the will of God, if wisdom is more valuable than riches, then what is the other side of that that is buying into falsehood and lies? Trust Scripture. Believe the danger. Second thing, question the false teaching among you according to the Scriptures. Question it. Ask. Third, study the Scriptures. Your confirmed source of revelation. 
It is your greatest defense. It is the rock that you stand on because it reveals the authentic, true Jesus. Fourth, lean in to your elders and your pastors and leaders who have been in the Word. At Tri-Cities, listen, if you're curious, if you feel like, man, that's false teaching, if you're curious about a person even and what they're saying, just go to one of your elders and ask. See, I don't feel comfortable going to the elders. As a woman, I'd rather not. Go to one of our wives and ask. Listen, we will give an account before God. Try to get help. If in our passivity, we just dismiss it and we don't examine it with you, I'm sorry, that's sinful leadership on our part. But get help. And if you're here and you're not in the family of God, and you're hearing all this and you're going, what do I do with that? Hear this. False teachers will tell you it's okay as an outsider. You still belong. But the truth is you're welcome but belonging is something reserved for those who are in Jesus. I can no more proclaim that on you than I can make you king. Belonging is identifying with the righteousness of Jesus through saving faith. You are welcome. But belonging is identifying with him. It is death to self and life in Jesus through saving faith and trust no one who would tell you anything less because it does not line up with the teaching of Scripture that is more fully confirmed. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you are a great God and you are worthy.